This is Question of the Week from BU Today. What can a new mayor do to improve a city? In this episode, Doug Most, executive editor at BU Today, talks to Tom Whelan, a BU associate professor of social science, about whether a new mayor can truly improve a city. As an historic mayoral election approaches in November, Whelan also reflects on how previous mayors have brought about transformative changes in the city of Boston. There's no question that this is a historical moment for Boston. It will be the first time that a woman will be elected as the mayor of Boston. It will either be City Councilor Michelle Wu or a BU alum, City Councilor Anissa Asabi-George. Both Wu and George have talked about this transformative moment for Boston. But here's a question. Can a new mayor mark a transformation for a city? Or put it another way, what can a mayor do to really change a city? Thanks for joining us, Tom. My pleasure. Well, I think history shows that, yes, mayors individually can indeed change the course and direction of a city like Boston. You know, you look back to um, the late 1940s, uh, Mayor Johnny Hines, Whispering Johnny, as they called him. He was a former city clerk who was a very kind of mild-mannered, quiet type, but he challenged James Michael Curley for the mayoralship in 1949 and narrowly beat him. And Curley represented all that was bad about uh, the first half of the 20th century in Boston in terms of your corrupt Irish machine politician mayor. He did a lot in terms of, Curley did, in terms of expanding public transit, increasing um, basically the safety net for regular Boston citizens, but he was corrupt as all else. And the New Deal administration in Washington, D.C. in the 1930s and 40s um, did not give Boston its fair share of federal aid as it did other cities because they thought it would just end up in Curley's pockets. But Johnny Hines was, you know, incorruptible. He was an honest man, which seemed like something uh, new in Boston in the middle of the 20th century. And he was particularly appealing to the veterans coming back from World War II who had served during the war and wanted to, to um, basically enjoy the new middle class life that was uh, sprouting out throughout the country, getting over and beyond the Great Depression years. So Johnny Hines seemed to speak to that electorate and he responded very well. You know, he did a lot in terms of um, improving Boston. You know, he was in charge of a lot of slum clearance using federal money, for example, um, to create all sorts of facelifts throughout the city in terms of also he created the Boston Redevelopment Authority, which laid the basis for everything that followed in terms of major civic projects, public projects, including the most controversial project of all was the um, leveling of the West End neighborhood, which, you know, to be frank, was a slum by the middle of the century. And that was done away with. But he also created like commission like the Government Center Commission that laid the basis for modern day uh, government center and the removal of Scully Square, which is a very kind of colorful place uh, at the beginning of the, the 20th century. Can you talk about for a minute the election of a woman for Boston? Not only that, but a person of color. How 
can that impact sort of the face of a city? And is that something that you think can bring about change? Well, I think it can and will uh, bring about change. You think of someone like um, Michael Shea of Saturday Night Live, who uh, went on national you know, television and proclaimed Boston the most racist city in the country. And that stigma has always remained with Boston ever since the busing crisis and federal um, desegregation of the Boston public schools in the mid-1970s. You know, with a mayor of color who is going to be calling the shots, that will do well to dispel those old stereotypes. Are there certain things that you feel like Boston could use to transform that maybe aren't necessarily political, but are perhaps cultural? Are there some things that you think a new mayor, a woman, a person of color could bring about that are sort of cultural changes that might help transform Boston? Right. Well, I I think just in a broad cultural sense, this is kind of like we pay homage throughout Boston to um, our dead white heroes of the past. Right. But there were all sorts of important people of color, you know, who have roots here and, you know, led major national causes. And, you know, a person of color as mayor could really bring attention to that. And also to kind of lay to rest the many sins of Boston's past, including Faneuil Hall, which was named after um, a slave trader. The power of the mayor's office in Boston. Is it the same for every city? Does Boston have any restrictions or nuances in sort of the way its government is structured that you're aware of that sort of limit the impact that a mayor can truly have on the city? Well, I, I think the mayor ha- is one of the more powerful mayors in the entire nation. And when you think about it, the mayor in some ways has far greater influence than the governor of Massachusetts. The governor is actually kind of a step down because the Boston mayorship has a lot of patronage within their grasp. So that automatically gives them power. But the state legislature, there's always been this tension between Boston and the state legislature because the state realizes that if Boston doesn't do well, it'll drag down the rest of the state's economy. So there is kind of this intricate political dance between the Boston mayor and the legislature. And in the background, you have always a governor kind of waving his arms and saying, hey, remember me, I'm, I'm the big important man here. And it was interesting. I thought Governor Baker and Mayor Walsh, they were able to collaborate together on issues they agreed on. And I think that'll be important moving forward, whether, you know, Whoever is elected mayor uh, coming up can work with the Baker administration to have kind of a a common goal here to bring both the city and the state to a more prosperous future. Looking back at the the two more recent mayors of Boston, Mayor Menino and Mayor Walsh, can you talk about any impacts that you feel the two of them had that were real sort of transformative impacts that both of them had that could be harbingers of what a new mayor, whether it's Wu or Asabi George, could do? Well, I think Mayor Menino should get a lion's share of the credit here because, you know, he came up with the idea of the innovation district, for example, in the seaport. And that has transformed what was a blighted area into a major pulsating new heart of the city and bringing in all sorts of new business. And, you know, Walsh kind of capitalized and built upon that. So they kind of were a continuous um, strain here. And Boston needs to do more of that. You know, Widet Circle is kind of the last major piece of land that, you know, can be developed into like another seaport district. During um, the unsuccessful fight to get the Olympics here that Walsh led, 
the idea was Winnet Circle would be part of this, it'd be the Olympic Stadium. And after the Olympics were over in 24, then, you know, then you could make it for city purposes or private business. You could develop the last kind of major neighborhood for Boston. And I think things like that need kind of the vision to move forward to um, basically attract investment, but also not forget, you know, regular Bostonians who are finding it increasingly hard to stay in the city on middle-class incomes. Since we are talking here at BU, can you talk about how important the relationship is between a mayor and the higher ed institutions in their city? Boston obviously is known as sort of a, a capital of colleges and universities with so many here. How important is it for those colleges and universities like BU and all, the, all of its peers to have a strong relationship with the mayor? And how can they help each other? How can a mayor help those college universities? And how can they help a mayor? Well, I think it's absolutely essential. You know, I mentioned Mayor Hines, but also Mayor Kevin White. They drew upon the higher education community to uh, basically to sit on these commissions and these authorities here to develop plans to remake a newer and more innovative Boston. And, you know, there's always been, at least in the 20th century moving forward, that kind of um, polarization between, you know, the higher ed institutions and the mayor's office. And I think that is a good and essential thing because we have all this brain power within a few square miles. The city should take advantage of it. And I think it has to a spectacular degree since the late 1940s. You know, that's why we have the 128 belt that circles the city and has created this kind of major high tech economy that is still the envy of the world in many respects. So I'm not going to ask you for a prediction uh, on November 2nd, but are you just excited in general to sort of see sort of what this election does for Boston? Yes, I mean, it's a definite change election. And I think voters in Boston should really rise to the occasion to see to this historic moment and go to the polls in record numbers, because this will determine, you know, maybe a generation of leadership. Because when you have an open mayoral seat, it happens very rarely in Boston history. And if you do win that open seat, chances are you're going to be around for maybe 10, 20 years. So that especially now in these times where we have the pandemic we're dealing with, you know, major national political and economic crises, you know, having someone on the mayor's uh, office who is competent, who is um, well supported by the people of Boston, it could make a critical difference. Tom, thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Uh, interesting insights. I think it's like we talked about a historic moment for Boston. So thanks for the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks to Tom Whelan for joining us on this episode of Question of the Week. To find out more about the upcoming mayoral election in Boston, check out WBUR's voting guide in the show notes. And while you're there, please remember to rate, share, and review us on your podcast app of choice. I'm Dana Ferrante. See you next week.